0: Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hi, Connor. Hey, Brittany. So we have talked a lot about failing. I think we love failing probably more than, <laughs> than most people.
1: Especially uh-huh. those little like uh, YouTube videos where you get to watch people like fall over when they're skateboarding and failing. You know, I I guess I enjoy people's misery. I was going
0: to say, you're, you're laughing at people falling. I'm laughing
1: with them, not at them.
0: <laughs> well, different kind of failing we're going to talk about today, but still, I will admit I laugh at that too. But there are so many lessons we can learn, you know, when we fail. If you're on a skateboard, even you can learn not to do whatever it was you did that time, though. <laughs> I was never someone that skateboarded. That's probably going to shock you. So I'm sure some of that failing is just you're going to fail.
1: Wait, you were an away. emo back in the day, like emo girl, and you, yes. you never skateboarded?
0: No, we didn't. I didn't skateboard. We just I just listened to music, cried okay. in my bedroom. Okay. <laughs> That's what emo kids did. <laughs> uh, but um, I love this quote from National Treasure. I think it's from. I think it is a real quote from Thomas Edison, which is interesting. Side note, because we're gonna have another episode about Thomas Edison in a, in a few episodes, and it's not gonna be very positive. But um, <laughs> so Thomas Edison, he was the inventor of the light bulb, and he tried to make a light bulb. I think it was like two thousand times. And when people said like, oh, he failed 2,000 times, he said, no, I didn't. I discovered 2,000 ways how not to make a light bulb. And I've always really liked that quote. And whether it really is Thomas Edison or it is just Nicolas Cage in what is, I think, the greatest movie of all time, National Treasure, uh, making it up, I think it's a great quote either way. So today, kind of uh, going on Edison rather than, you know, skateboarders uh, lesson, I want to talk about some inventions, some failures mm-hmm. that started off as like different discoveries or they were supposed to be different discoveries and then ended up in in discoveries that like changed our entire world. So they would have been failings, failures of these scientists. And then as it turned yeah. out, they actually may have done something better than the original thing was going to be. So Connor, I thought you and I could kind of go back and talk about, talk about some of them. I'm actually going to start... Actually, no. We'll save that one for the end. We'll save that one for the end. I've got a silly one Ooh. that is not really life changing, but is one of my favorite right. foods. But right, kids, well, stick
1: around to the end.
0: You have to stick around for the end. It's a it's a teaser. All right, so let's start with penicillin. Which, if anyone doesn't know what penicillin is, it is an antibiotic, and that is something you get. I don't think they can't give it for like colds, but if you get like strep throat, if you get an ear infection, if you get I think like tonsillitis. It, it just it it completely eradicates the illness. And we get we kind of take advantage of this because we get this stuff all the time. I think amoxicillin is probably the one that's that's mm-hmm. given out more today.
1: Cilins, yeah.
0: all, this, all the all the psillins. That's a good good way to say it. And this was huge because back in the day they didn't have this. So if you got sick, you were gonna either stay sick for a long time or you could even die, right? Because they just didn't have the medical breakthroughs to to help with this. So mm. penicillin was easily probably one of the most important inventions of, it was the 19th century, I think. Yeah. And so that cap happened completely by accident. So, and this is good trivia. I have done so many trivia games where this question has come up. So remember this for later. His name was Sir Alexander Fleming, and he went out of town. He was doing some experiments with the influenza virus, the flu. But then he decided to go out of town. He went on a little holiday, and he comes back, and he's like, oh, you know, my lab is a mess. Oh my goodness! There's mold everywhere, which I guess is a scientist that happens when you have your little um, petri dishes, which yeah. they're called, where you grow all sorts of bacteria and mold. And he noticed that there was there was mold, but it was kind of a different mold pattern than he had seen before. So he's like, okay, this is this is interesting. So he puts it under the microscope, which is like think of like telescopes and stuff like that, but it, it zooms in really close to um, to like cells or I don't know if it does sub like germs or I don't know if you ever had one of those when you were a kid but we used to look at bugs under mm. microscopes like you can see really really tiny things so he finds this mold and he realizes that this mold can actually kill other bacteria and it can be given to small animals without them getting sick and here's one part I love about this because I think this happens a lot when we talk about science throughout history and that is that people downplayed the discovery right? People were like, okay, that, that's nice. You discovered some some bacteria. Good job for you. All right. Like, you know, next thing. But people didn't realize that this was going to be one of the most important discoveries and it wasn't until, so he discovered this 1929 and it wasn't until 1945 when different scientists came back to his studies and started perfecting it that this was noticed and it was given a Nobel prize and people were like, oh, this is pretty amazing. We can put this in bottles and we can give this to people to to help cure, you know, all their ailments. So really interesting, because one, it was a, a complete accident. It ended up changing the world, but he didn't get credit for it right away. So I think that's kind of an interesting, hmm. an interesting little thing. And I'll do one more, Connor.
1: Oh, okay. You oh, go. did you have a comment? No, no, go ahead.
0: Yeah, just one more, because it's not it's not that interesting of a story. That's why I want to get it out of the way now. But plastic was also an accident. And there was this Belgian scientist named Leo, I think it was Backlund. And I like this part because he did accidentally discover this new plasticky material. But he just wanted to call it Bacoland, which I thought was funny because I was or Bacolite, because I was like, "What would I name something that I discovered? Like, would I name it after myself? I probably wouldn't, but I thought it was funny that he did." So it was a mixture of formaldehyde, which is how do you how do you explain formaldehyde? It preserves things. If you ever have to dissect a frog in school, which I had to, I don't know if they still do that, but I had to. Did you do that? It's really, really smelly, but it's because they have to soak the frogs in formaldehyde because it preserves them, so use that them you can for
1: human cadavers too.
0: I, I, be, I yeah. used to.
1: My wife used think... to take anatomy classes, and they would like look at corpses and stuff like that, and it was all formaldehyde.
0: I was yeah. supposed to do that in college. It freaks me out. Same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yes, it's that same thing, and it's a really specific smell. It just smells so bad. Um, so he took that and something called phenol. And it was, again, a complete accident. They mixed together and they created plastic, which plastic, I mean, I I can't even think to name even like a handful of things that plastic has, has changed in the world. Because think about when we, when our grandparents probably, I don't know, when did plastic become mass produced? Long time ago. Long time ago, right? But I mean, medical Four, equipment. I,
1: oh, yeah. Or 3D printing. I mean, the fact that like you oh, can now yeah. design things and like. Immediately create them in your home and either go use them or that becomes like the model for what you want to, you know have like metal parts designed in like just yeah, plastic is 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 in everything. i'm I'm literally standing, you know, in front of this whole like microphone rig, you know that's like, I mean, there's oh, yeah. some metal, but a ton of plastic, like plastic's just everywhere. It's crazy
0: packaging too. and I know there's some debate because there are, you know chemicals and plastic, obviously, as we're reading about it is chemicals. but I mean, packaging for food has gone down in cost because things used to be. There was a lot of tin, a lot of more expensive ways to package mm-hmm. things, glass. So plastic has been huge, changed the world. So yeah, I'll kick it over to you now, Connor. Uh, yeah,
1: I've got a fun one to share. That's also kind of a uh, silly accident. So uh, th- there's all these big companies in the United States that uh, that provide you know the U.S. government with um, devices, with equipment, with machines, with uh, vehicles, you know, specially used for the military. And so these big companies are all, always like competing for contracts with the government. They want to be paid, you know, billions of dollars or whatever to uh, produce these things that the government needs or like with NASA, you know, and so rather than NASA building a space shuttle, they'll hire a whole bunch of private companies to do it for them. And so NASA's like in charge and the one paying for everything. But it's there's all these big companies out there. Well, one of these companies is called Raytheon. Yeah, we don't like them. (laughs) Yeah, they've they've produced a lot of of these companies. Basically, they they build bombs and missiles and, you know, they're part of what we uh, not so affectionately call the military industrial complex, because one of the big problems is the, you know, the former like secretary of defense in charge of the military. When he leaves the government, he'll go work for Boeing or Raytheon or Halliburton or these different companies. And so this is a concept for the kids out there. It's called a revolving door. And so what that means, like you think you go through those big hotels and there's that door at the front that just goes around and around and around. That's a revolving door. And so the problem with these big companies when they get t- close to the government is that the top leadership, they become a revolving door. They'll be the president of Raytheon. Oh, and now they're the assistant secretary of defense. Well, of course, you know, when they're in the government, they're going to give all these big contracts to their buddies and their former coworkers, And it just becomes this really... Messy thing. So, anyways, Ray, this is all backdrop to say that at, at Raytheon, back in the 1940s, uh, they were working on this um, these magnetron tubes. This was, you know, World War II, and they're inventing all these different devices and trying to figure out how to, you know, create better, you know, planes and ships and submarines and everything else. And so, Raytheon was working with. Uh, magnetron tubes, basically uh, uh, like mag- like radiation waves and magnets and so forth. And they were specifically doing this for radar. They were trying to be able to detect, you know, planes flying in the sky so they could find when the enemy was uh, flying towards them. And so there was this engineer at the company, one of the employees, his name was Percy Spencer. And he was working on these tubes, um, like standing next to them. And, you know, I don't know if he was uh, tweaking one or maintaining it or whatever, but he's he's standing next to it. And he noticed that uh, in his pocket, in his shirt pocket, he had a candy bar, and it was starting to melt as a result of stand. Like you know, it's room temperature, and you know, but all of a sudden, he's got this like squishy candy bar in his pocket. And so, what he realized is that it was the the microwaves, the radiation waves, that were melting because he was being exposed to uh, to basically that radiation. Now, this is safe, you know, radiation within. These microwaves—it's not like when you go to the, you know, doctor to get an MRI and they, you know, have you wear like the lead apron to make sure that your body doesn't get all these radiation waves. The the microwaves are are kind of what they say—they're micro; they're very kind of minuscule. So it was safe for him to stand next to this machine. But he's he basically discovered, you know, uh, that that you could warm food, you could you could cook uh, food as a result of these microwaves, and so he developed this box uh, for cooking where he would use like this magnetron radiation kind of technology, uh, create it a little bit smaller so it could, you know, fit in a box. And then he tested this out. And sure enough, when you put food inside the box and then you, you radiate it with, with microwave energy, it would cook. So the microwaves that we all, I mean, like, I think of like grandma back in the day. Right. And she'd say, Oh honey, I made you supper. And, you know, I put, I would, you're home late from work. I put it in the oven, right? Just so it would try and stay warm a little bit longer because then like you didn't have good options to reheat things. You'd have to put it back on the stove oh, yeah. and you can't do that with, you know, lots of types of foods. And so microwaves are just phenomenal in terms of their convenience. But here it was, this dude with a candy bar accidentally <laughs> discovered something that's revolutionized the world. Pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Connor, I'm actually going to have you do the next one and I'm going to do the last two. I'm um... I'm picking the ones I like the
1: best. Oh, fine. Okay. Well, I like this story anyway, so I'll take it. So, uh, so this is, this is the, uh, the strikeable match. So we have to go all the way back to 1826 for this one, there, uh, which is, man, it was a long time ago, almost 200 years. <laughs> there was this guy named John Walker, and he noticed that there's uh, like this dried lump on the end of a stick, and uh, it's while he was stirring a mix of chemicals, right? He's kind of mixing some chemicals up. And so he's like, what is this, you know, lump like, like it was, yeah, it's like this lump that shouldn't have been there. So he goes to scrape it off. And all of a sudden there were sparks and then a flame. <laughs> and so he realizes, well, oh, wait a minute, this is a way to create like friction matches. And so, you know, the, they sold them at these stores all over the place in pharmacies, the initial matches, they, they were made of cardboard. Uh, but he soon replaced them with these long little wooden splints. I mean, the familiar matches that we have today, they, would come in a box. They would have the you know the little piece a, a piece of sandpaper on the side for striking. And uh, what's interesting is that you know some folks were telling him to patent his invention, right? To basically get a patent from the government to say, hey, no one's allowed to copy you. And if you do, if they do, then you know they have to pay you money. Uh, he decided not to because he considered his product these these strikeable matches. He considered a benefit to mankind. He saw that this would improve people's lives. I mean, again 200 years ago this is pioneer era right and so people are having to like you know start fires and they're living out on the prairie and little house on the prairie type stuff right and so so how amazing is that right I, I think of kind of Tesla we've talked about Elon Musk we share his story in uh, in the Tuttle twins guide to Inspiring. And we're
0: talking about Tesla in just a couple episodes yeah. and
1: a teaser right and so yes. what's cool <laughs> about them so here's the little teaser for that is they've basically open sourced their uh, their car designs. What that means, open source, it means they're not patenting patenting it. They're not saying, hey, we want the government to punish you if you make these cars. They're saying the opposite. Tesla's like, hey, look, we're making these cars, but we think it's so important to do electric vehicles that we want everyone else to be able to do it too. So here's the designs that we created, all the money that went into that, the time, the effort, and they decided to just make it for free. If any other company out there thinks that they can do it better than Tesla, they're literally saying, here you go. And so I see that kind of story here with uh, John Walker and the strikable matches is that rather than him trying to protect it, he saw that this would benefit people and and they totally have. So kind of cool that like he was just stirring some chemicals and then he discovered, you know, uh, the, the right substances and compounds that would allow him to create these little uh, matches. Pretty fun.
0: Yeah. I love that story. So we'll do two real quick. The next one is gunpowder. And the reason I like this one is because the guy who discovered it was trying to discover how to become immortal and live forever. That was his goal. And instead he accidentally uh, mixed this new thing he discovered with um, sulfur and it became gunpowder. And gunpowder, as destructive as it is, is a crazy invention because think of all the wars that were fought in different ways because of gunpowder and just Again, a lot of destruction, but um, just I'm trying to think what else we use gunpowder for. I can only think of like cannons and and uh, guns, but I know there's other things.
1: They'll use it in, um, for example, I was, uh, where were we? We were on vacation recently driving through this mountain and they they would use like dynamite, TNT, gunpowder. They would drill holes into the rock and they would throw the explosives down there and then, um, you know, blow up the rock. And that's what allowed them to, to... uh, build roads through mountains so when you need to like destroy a lot of stuff like that like land and everything it, it can help too oh.
0: and last one because this is what i love potato chips so potato chips were an accident and it was actually a prank there was this restaurant cook george speck Crum. And he was really irritated with this wealthy patron who would come in and eat all the time at his restaurant. And he'd always send back the fries because he was like, these are too thickly cut. I don't like them. They weren't even called French fries back then. They were just thickly cut, like French style potatoes, much longer name. So this uh, this cook gets really irritated with this guy. So as a prank, he cuts them. He cuts the potatoes ridiculously thin like a chip and then like overcooks them and puts a ton of salt on them to be like, this will show you turns out he loved them so I did all the other patrons and it became something that was ordered all the time that's funny so so those are our accidental discoveries for, for this for this episode
1: what I love and, and we'll wrap here is that uh innovation is not always the product of hard work and deep thinking like sometimes you know your life circumstances are such that like these different ideas or, or things happen and you're like oh hey here's an opportunity um, you know, the Tuttle Twins itself. It wasn't that I sat down and said, Oh, how could we like, you know, do this? It was just that I had a problem. I went on Amazon looking for kids' books. I'm like, oh, hey, here's an opportunity. And I kind of, you know, stumbled into it. So a lot of life is just being responsive to those serendipitous moments, those those circumstances that just kind of happen. And that's that's fun. I think that makes life a lot of fun. We have to be open to that and prepared to kind of take action and jump on these opportunities because they'll come throughout your life. So Thanks for chatting, Brittany. Great uh, uh, topic as always. Guys, remember the podcast is at tuttletwins.com slash podcast. If you've been listening for a while, we've been doing this, Britt, for quite a while. It's yeah. kind of fun. And uh, and we've got like over a million downloads and all these fun like statistics. We should probably share more at some point. Oh, I'd love that, um, yeah. The What I was going to say, though, is that, uh, guys, if you've been listening uh, to us for a while, go over to Apple Podcasts or to Spotify. Leave us a review. We would love to hear what you think about the podcast, uh, what you like, uh, what your favorite parts are, uh, just because that helps get the word out to even more families. The whole reason we do this is to reach and teach millions of kids uh, and families. And so you guys can help a little bit just by leaving a review, share your thoughts. That'll tell the algorithm, hey, go share this with other people. So really appreciate it. TuttleTwins.com slash podcast. And we'll see you on the next episode. See you, Brittany.
0: Talk to you later.